Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus back in on the emerging markets, which means we are joined once again by Alejo Zaranko, the Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Alejo, great to be with you as always. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to our conversation. How are you, Dan? Good morning. It's always great to be here. You're joining our listeners, our clients, to talk about your most recent Investing in Emerging Markets flagship piece. Uh, The title is New Economic and Geopolitical Reality. So, Alejo, what kind of new world are emerging markets experiencing? Yes, Dan, of course. Look, we start by recognizing in the piece that there are two wars going on right now that are reshaping the global economic and geopolitical reality. The first one is the U.S. Federal Reserve's war against inflation. And the second one is, of course, the uh, Russian invasion proper of Ukraine. Starting with uh, what's going on in in the U.S. vis-a-vis monetary policy, I think uh, we're going to remember March of 2022 as a pretty symbolic turn in terms of the U.S. and global liquidity backdrop. As you know, the U.S. Central Bank formalized the end of its easy money policy at its March meeting, uh, and this has forced a pretty sizable repricing of the U.S. Treasury's curve. If you take uh, just one indicator, the two-year U.S. Treasury bond yield, this experienced its most dramatic three-month increase since 1994. Um, When it comes to the Russia's war in Ukraine, unfortunately, this has entered its second month, and it continues to put quite a bit of pressure on raw material prices globally. When you look at oil prices, wheat prices, palladium prices, they have experienced their largest percentage price gain in a single quarter since the turn of the century. So this really, I think, helps put uh, things into context, dramatic repricing of interest rates, of commodity prices, which translates into really a new economic and geopolitical reality for the emerging markets. On aggregate, these changes are putting downward pressure on emerging market economic activity, and they're putting upward pressure on emerging market inflation. When you look at the current commodity price level in our analysis, the pain that it, it is inflicting on net importers is already larger than the gain that is being enjoyed by net exporters. And in addition, the sharp rise in energy and food prices is exacerbating an already challenging inflationary backdrop for the emerging markets, given in particular the large share that food and energy makes in makes up of consumption baskets in in the emerging markets when you compare it with, say, countries like the U.S., the U.K., uh, Western Europe. Food and energy are much more relevant for emerging markets in terms of the typical consumption basket, and therefore the impact on inflation is more pronounced. Uh, It's important to note that many emerging market central banks had already been moving early and aggressively to tame domestic inflation. Think about Brazil, think about Mexico, think about South Africa, among others. But the reality is they're likely to be forced to tighten financial conditions further. 
All that said, Dan, I think making generic references to emerging markets today exposes investors to the risk of severe oversimplifications. And this is because there is undoubtedly a sizable wealth transfer going on from commodity importers to commodity exporters. And uh, as a reminder, Dan, exporters are primarily located in the Middle East and Latin America. Alejo, this new reality for the emerging markets, it is a lot to take in as you outlined for us the considerations that pertain to the economic as well as geopolitical factors. Do you believe that this new reality, Alejo, is fully priced into the markets? Not really. The changes have been very fast and, and, and very drastic in terms of, uh, of of the backdrop, right? And so uh, we don't think it's, it's fully priced in, and there are things investors can do to adapt. For example, we find upside in bonds from oil and gas issuers in the emerging markets, given our positive view on energy prices overall. In addition, we think Latin America offers a good range of attractive yield opportunities. Also, when you think about the ongoing change in investor appetite and interest towards sustainability. We think investors will continue to relocate to sustainable investments in support of demand for green, social, and sustainable bonds, as well as sustainability-linked bonds. And here, emerging markets in Latin America deserve some credit in terms of their innovation in this space. When you look at what Chile has done in March of 2022, this month, it, it's become the world's first sovereign to issue a sustainability-linked bond. Uh, this comes on the back of Mexico, just a couple of years back, becoming the world's first sovereign, issuing a bond that is linked to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, on the fixed income space more broadly, Dan, after a very painful start of the year, as you know, just about every uh, major global fixed income um, segment has experienced sizable losses. The outlook uh, is a bit more constructive, particularly for emerging market bonds at the asset class level. In our basement scenario, we expect dollar-denominated bonds from the emerging world to deliver high single-digit total returns through the end of the year. And this is in good part to the decent yield that they are offering right now. On aggregate, we're talking about 7.1% for emerging market sovereigns denominated in U.S. dollars and 6.2% for emerging market corporates denominated in U.S. dollars. Moving on to equities, the outlook for emerging market equities remains intimately linked to the behavior of Chinese stocks. And as you've probably been following, Dan, Chinese stocks have experienced a roller coaster ride in March. You had a particularly sharp sell-off earlier in the month, and this was followed by a particularly sharp rebound later in the month when Chinese Vice Premier Liu He addressed the market's major concerns in a memorable speech, I'd say, uh, on March 16th, he highlighted that the ongoing regulatory drive in China will become more transparent and predictable. He highlighted that Chinese and U.S. authorities are working towards a plan regarding U.S.-listed Chinese entities 
And overall, he reminded us that uh, China will continue to support companies seeking overseas list listings. So on the back of these developments, I think investors will be able to refocus on the fundamentals of Chinese equities and start to appreciate uh, the fact that this segment is trading quite quite cheap. China's earnings outlook for this year remains strong, even in the face of COVID-related restrictions. As we've been highlighting for some time, monetary and fiscal policies are easing in China, while we're seeing tightening in just about everywhere else in, in the world. And so, on balance, we think the positives are likely to outweigh the negatives in this in this space, which in turn should help emerging market stocks recover more broadly. Within uh, the area of emerging market equities, we think internet and e-commerce companies should outperform the broader emerging market equity space and environmental, social, and governance, le governance leaders, I think, should deliver superior performance in the months ahead at the same time as they help to mitigate risks. As we begin to close out this morning, Alejo, I do want to ask, what are some of the key questions on your mind right now as you try to make sense of the risks and opportunities in the emerging markets? Certainly. Um, I think it has undoubtedly been a very challenging year for global investors. There's been pain spreading across asset classes. And there are, of course, a range of known unknowns that continue to weigh on investors' risk appetite. Here are some of the questions that are top of mind in, in our team, right? Number one, will the Fed be able to soften inflation without pushing the U.S. economy into recession? Number two, how long will the war in Ukraine last? And what impact will this have on commodity prices? Three, I'd say, will China's dynamic zero COVID policy become a drag on economic activity in the face of the ongoing outbreaks? And lastly, particularly relevant for emerging markets, will dramatically higher food prices trigger social unrest in the more vulnerable countries? Now, we do need to see increased visibility around these areas, but uh, as we await for that, one thing is clear, Investors who remain engaged in markets, including emerging markets, according to a strategic plan and who stand to uh, pick up tactical opportunities along the way, we think are a lot more likely to do better than those decisively de-risking in the face of uncertainty, hoping for a better entry point. Well, Alejo, as always, thank you very much for dropping by top of the morning, for keeping our listeners, our clients, our advisors informed on the latest developments within the emerging markets, your current thinking as it pertains to asset allocation and what an outlook looks like. So we'll look forward to picking back up with our conversation next month. Though, again, I do want to highlight, especially for our clients, the Investing in Emerging Markets flagship from Alejo's team. Uh, that title is New Economic and Geopolitical Reality. That's not available for you up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Of course, you can always contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly. Alejo, great catching up as always. Thank you again for your time today. Great being here. Thank you so much, Dan. Have a great day.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.